Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Welcome, everyone, to another evening of Miracles in Recovery. We are live tonight. Last week, we weren't live. We played a taped show as I was on the road from California to Florida, which was interesting in itself. <laughs> Sounds you know, it was, like you know, a very like interesting those, trip. It's like one of those backwards vacation things, you know. Um, and probably could have made a movie about it as well. But anyway, I'm here. I'm alive. Um, all is well. And uh, we are back sharing our experience, strength, and hope with the world. See, I like to say that, the world. Because it is the world. Because it is the world we're sharing it with. So uh, what's up with uh, a home? We finally have one. Nice, nice. This has been a a very trying period of time. Right. So now it's all just getting everything together. Now I'm I'm in uh, mortgage hell, but if they can pull off a miracle, we'll be out of the rental on time and into the new place. Right, and now that I've thrown this big RV in my yard, you can take your truck. You can <laughs> you, you can take your truck back. <laughs> we'll take the truck back. I know your poor yard. Yeah, Ray's yard is full of everybody else's stuff. Yeah, and everybody else's animals, really. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's get down to it. Well, you know, so you sent me a uh, an email during the week about. Um, Opioid crisis taking toll on Florida children. Read, you, you have it up. Yes. All right. Read, read a little bit about it, and as we go, we'll uh, we'll we'll make some points and, and talk about what it is that. Uh, who wrote this? Is it just a uh, an opinion from thing the or news service of Florida? Okay. I'm not sure who authored it, but what they are saying, and this, the reason that it caught my attention, I get a lot of feed from them is I saw opioid crisis taking toll on Florida children, and then I started reading. More than 4,000 babies were born addicted to opioids in Florida last year, an increase of over 1,000% from a decade ago. Okay, we've been doing this for how long? We've been doing it probably for seven or eight years, I think? Yeah. All right, so when we ultimately started... It was during the heyday or the height of the pill mill um, debacle that the state was going on. And I remember saying, you know, just in passing, wait and watch what happens. And they take the pills Once away. Once they take the pills away. And what happened was exactly what you said. Yeah. And, and I'm sure I'm not doing That's not an original thought. I mean, that's that, that's just what happens. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the progression of... Um, Addiction, or even the the progression, the the progression of the um, the evils of of drugs. I mean, because the brothers and sisters of the of the doctors said, "Okay, now we can make some money, and we'll just push right. heroin into the place." But anyway, to get back to that. The, you know, the 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 bad thing is, is um, you know, these children are the ones that are that are paying a price. Oh yeah, and it. it a thousand percent over ten years—that's an awful. I, know. I mean, four thousand babies just in the state of Florida, in I guess 2016, born addicted to opioids, and you know they have to be detoxed somehow. 
apparently it's really painful. I mean, one of the quotes in here that caught my attention was, you know, somebody talking about looking at babies in the NICU that were screaming and crying because they were coming off of opioids. You know, it, right. the problem continues with chi- the child welfare agencies having to take kids out of their homes. I mean, uh-huh. I know everybody has seen pictures of, heard news stories about the pa- the parents that are found passed out with the car still oh, running yeah, sitting and in the traffic. kids are yeah. in the backseat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody's taking pictures and I think trying to shame them, but but it is it's terrible for the children. So I guess they're the child welfare system's being overwhelmed with this whole epidemic as well. Yeah, but you know, um, sadly, uh, that, that I, I don't want to say that's the perils of war, but sadly, um, that all coincidentally goes along with the madness and the you know we say our families, our communities, and sadly mm-hmm. the children are the ones that are paying the, they're the, ones the, that are paying the, the price. severe price because they're the ones that are left in the backseat of the car when the when the parents overdose and they're the ones that are being born to um, addiction that they never even asked for. Well, you know, that, another article that I read in conjunction with this, because it started me thinking, you know, what happens to these kids as they get older? Yeah. And one of the articles that I read was stated that as they get older, their their cognitive function is not as well. And by the time they're in eighth grade, yeah. most of them are failing in at least one of the, you know, the things that they test for, if not more. So it's almost like these kids are born without a chance. Uh, yeah, you know, and I don't even know, you know, we, we were talking before the show, I don't know if they've ever done a study uh, and followed, I'm sure that they have, but they, they have followed a a group of babies that were born addicted and see where they are, like, you know, you know even maybe just their, um, what do they call those education marks or their learning marks or so whatever it is when you, when you hit three, five, seven, yeah. ten. Well, this one says by seventh grade, nearly 38% of the children did not meet the minimum standards in at least one testing category. Now, this was done in New South Wales, which I think is in England, but still. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it kind of makes you stop and think because, you know, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about what's happening, you know, the collateral damage that's being done to these innocent kids. No, New South Wales, Florida. That's, that's be, this is an article yeah. about Florida. Um you know, and and the, the 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 weird thing is, is that when you said that, I immediately thought of England because they have a different type of program to assist addicts. They, you know, they have the uh, um, that's true. The friendly, the friendly using stations, and the and like Portugal supports their their addicted. Uh, Base, you know, client client base, the yeah community, with um, drug assistance, pretty much. Uh, we don't, but the result is still the same for a child. I would imagine a baby is still so. born addicted in England and in Portugal, and they go through the same thing. So I'm sure that they pay a price just as well, even though the community there is a little more user friendly with their with their active addicts. Well, they're they're trying to do some medication-assisted treatment programs, mm-hmm. uh, methadone and Suboxone, yeah, mostly. But um, there were some in Palm Beach County. There were some programs where if somebody overdosed, they would actually send a counselor, a first responder, and someone else 
to their house every day for, you know, a certain period of time to make sure they took their Suboxone and they were getting the kind of mental health assistance that they needed. Yeah. It was, I think it was done at JFK Hospital, and then I heard it was suspended. It was, I, I would imagine they found it very expensive. But it's yeah. almost like that individual concentration on each person is what's going to be necessary to make this get better. And, but, but there's, you know what I mean, like the cost. When is it that they, and oh, you, be, you go you go back to that knucklehead sheriff in Missouri saying yeah. that he's not going to waste his money on some, right. on um, And you're, you'll not, get a lot of people who aren't experienced with it complaining mm-hmm. about their tax dollars going to yeah. that. But, you know, I think their tax dollars are being wasted in a lot of other ways, including free health care. Yeah. yeah. Over and over and over again. So doing something positive to me is a start, but again, if you if you haven't experienced it, you're probably still like I was many years ago, very judgmental about the you know the the choice that the addict makes and right. all of that type of thing, and you know the the moral behavior, you know bad bad moral judgment and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, and and I don't necessarily know if. Um, you know what you said about about the learning marks and the learning curve for these for these children that come out as addicts. I wonder how many uh, what the percentage is that ultimately end up using. I you know, know. The, you know, the sad thing is is that, and, and you you do see it, and it kind of makes sense. Like children of alcoholics and addicts either go one or the other yeah, way right. to an right. extreme. Right. So right. either they use with their parents ultimately because their parents are boneheads and <laughs> yeah. do that, or they're so far off to the opposite end of the curve. And I, I wonder, I mean, I'm sure that they've done studies, and, I, and I'm wondering if because they were born into the world, they took their first breath technically as an active addict, yeah. what happens with that? Well, and, you know, think. remember the crack babies from the whole crack yeah. epidemic Yeah, I mean, what happened problem? to those kids? Where and are they? Fetal alcohol syndrome. I would, I would if I were a betting person... I would bet that many, if not most of them, became addicts as I grew up. <laughs> but when you said many of them became, and my first thing was politicians, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have their no. own set of problems. Yeah. No, but you know, the thing is, is that wow, we really, given the benefit of all the knowledge that we have, we are still not giving our children the best plan to succeed because if it falls short on me as somebody who's bringing a child into the world I'm not saying me bringing a child into the world but if it falls on an individual parent bring a child into the world and they rear them into society as an addict granted medically you know they do what they have to do at the hospital but that kid has already been exposed to a life that they chose not to live right. while they were in their They mother's. weren't given a choice. Yeah. They weren't given a choice. Mm-hmm. But what what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. I, I do know that um, when I was working for some of the toxicology labs that I had worked for, they, they tried putting in place like women's... Um, like pregnancy programs mm-hmm. where they would go like prenatal programs. They would go in and, and help addicted mothers process to have their child born, um, not addicted. But 
But the baby's already the been baby exposed has already in experienced utero. It. Yeah, they're probably going through withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah, the baby's already experienced it. I was I was working um, security for a uh, um, a promoter up in Massachusetts, and um, we used to do a lot of concerts. And there was a woman who was, you know, drunk off her tail, breastfeeding her baby. Oh my gosh! You know, and ultimately the cops arrested her and and took her away. And and um, you know, I'm sure that. They displaced that baby from the family because yeah. this woman was like hammered, and and, and I it, and you got to what was she what's thinking? What's the common sense right there? But there but there isn't any, and and, and yeah. I keep saying that you know like it, it's not it's not the morality that you see. It's like the things that I did wasn't motivated by common sense right because i was motivated by something else that you know i was motivated by the substance granted alcohol is a substance that you are motivated by right and you know so drunks think drunks don't get off scot-free so you know she needed to take responsibility for that but like that that that's almost the same thing as a baby being born addicted to heroin, addicted to cocaine, oh, addicted is, to yeah. whatever. They're coming out addicted to alcohol, and alcohol yeah. is an accepted. I mean, people, you know, they tell you it's okay to drink a glass of wine or oh, so much. Please, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, our parents' generation, moms drank and smoked and did all of that because. Nobody told them it was bad. Right. They, they drank, smoked, didn't wear seatbelts, had metal dashboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't you remember riding on the back, oh, of, yeah. back was, ledge of the car? Yeah, there was seven of us in a, in a car going down the street, bombing down the street, and nobody had a seatbelt on, jumping yeah. over the seats from the front to the back to the way back. Dad's and, trying to whack somebody yeah. just to get them to shut yeah. up. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I'm glad today that they have these parameters in place because I don't necessarily know if I'd be wise enough. To, I think I would hope I would be today but I don't think I would have been wise enough to be able to conform to what it is that they need because like it's almost common I mean it's almost like I do it blindly I put my seatbelt on now yeah but it's only because it became a law well and because the car will beep at you incessantly unless you true click that true that yeah click it or ticket as they say yeah Um, but so they we I mean we put fail safes yeah in, in our cars because we're dopes and we can't remember so why can't we put fail safes in place for these people who are are rearing children into a into an addicted environment um, I don't know I mean do, do, do we do we ask the government to stretch that strong and be be, and be the police I mean well you can't. they they've been trying to do that since the war on drugs started back in the what the 70s but and, if they but if they did it the proper way it yeah. would have already been done and we would have been able to relax already you well, know? I think part of the problem is in the US you have states and the states all have different laws and different ways of handling yeah. things so that everything gets kind of confusing yeah, I mean, you, you you do have to let you do have to let uh, the states dictate, but I, I think that there needs to be some kind of concerted effort to um, have some uniformity with uh, a doctor knows when a doctor knows when a woman right. comes in and is pregnant, and 
is an addict. They know. You right. can't say they don't. I mean, you can't say that the, their medical intelligence shuts off and they go, okay, this is just Susie Jones from down the street. No, this is Susie Jones, the addict that's going to have an addict baby. What do we need to do? And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we turn her in and, and chase her her way so she has a baby in the woods. It means that we make sure that there is some kind of parameters in place to protect the child. Right. I mean, to protect the mother as well, but, but protect the child. We're, we're, we're welcoming babies into the world that are active addicts. And like, I, like I'm sure we can probably find a number, a percentage of how many of them ultimately pick up again when right they when they're the, yeah when they get the opportunity when they're you know and, and the opportunity may be just a goofy uncle giving the kid a sip of yeah. beer at, at four or five years old that happened to me yeah me and, too. and everybody thought you know that was the silly thing so if i was born an addict baby maybe that little sip of alcohol that i got at four or five has me running and i'm yeah. right out the door nuts at nine again yeah, yeah. and nobody's like what's feeling they're like what's wrong with this kid and nobody's what's wrong with me together was, yeah and it's it's very it's very scary. There, I mean, four thousand. Yeah, in a four, year. Four thousand is a lot. And we've only and that's just we, in Florida. And we've only really read the first sentence of yeah. that thing. We'll share a little more on this one uh, when we come back. Uh, give us a call eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Like many of us, do you feel constantly tired or run down? Weight gain, sugar addiction, stress, and other health issues wear down our bodies and our spirit. You can take control of these and get yourself back on track. Tune into Living Life Naturally with host Lynn Wadsworth. Lynn can help you lower or get rid of migraines, help you maintain a healthy weight, deal with hormone imbalances, and more. Listen live every Friday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss 
Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. Please visit our Twitter. At 855-STOP-USING. That's at 855-STOP-USING. Or our Facebook page, Miracles in Recovery. Also, send me an email at ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. That's ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. And let us know what topics you'd like to hear on upcoming shows. And if you or, or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. We'll send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. All right. Well, we're going to pick the conversation back up where we were, and it was about an article that Ellen was reading about... Um, Opioid crisis taking toll on Florida's children. If you'd like to call in and share a little bit of your experience or share a little bit of your knowledge about uh, any other state, any other country, please, by all means, give us a call, 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll welcome you in and let you share your story. I'd love to hear what everybody else has to say. One of the things that, that I've also seen firsthand and and read a lot about is a lot of of people our age are raising their grandchildren because yeah. you know their their children are addicted they they had children and they couldn't take care of them so we have the grandparents raising the children and then we also have a, a large number that are being you know taken by the state in in Florida it's called the Department of Families and Children DCF mm-hmm. and they come in and and, and take the kids and then they're, you know, they're in the system until they're 18, and then they're kind of thrown out. So the whole situation is, you know, it's just exponentially bad. And the, the further you dig into it, the, you know, the more you see uh, how many people are being hurt by this, the whole Right, the the, 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 whole, the whole gig. You know, now, it says here, I'm, I'm going to read this. It says, the experts said the explosion of neonatal abstinence syndrome when babies are born addictive has skyrocketed due to a sharp increase in abuse of prescription opioids like oxycodone and street drugs such as heroin. According to Johnson, many mothers are so high during their first two or three trimesters that they don't even realize that they're pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That is so true. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know how many people I have encountered in my using days that that has happened with you know and here we are in the in the segment prior saying shoulda coulda woulda what do you do in a situation like that you know like how if they if you don't know you're pregnant how can people step in and help you get to a point where that it's true too yeah so i don't know i mean that that, that you know and what happens to that child that baby sadly 
has to be welcomed into society with the perils of of the addiction. Well, and the the, yeah. the effects that it obviously has on the brain, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the forming brain. Yeah. You know, before they're even born. And maybe that's why you you know the those percentages about you know like um, learning. Yeah. The learning curve is, is just not there is because their brain has been stagnated during that first two trimesters of, of of a mother not even knowing. So, I mean, I'm sure medically there's they probably have all the knowledge that they can. But, you know, medically and statistically, they can say, well, this, that, that and this. But the reality is, is that someone's out there right now running around like a nut and she's in her second trimester and she doesn't even know now. I'm not saying this to condemn that individual. Absolutely not. The poor thing doesn't know what she's doing. She knows exactly what she's doing, but the poor thing is motivated by something other than... Yeah, she's caught uh, up in her disease, right. and, and there's and there's really no way to pull her out of it. The majority of society will look at, look at that mother and say what an evil woman she was running around. She was running around pregnant and didn't care for her child or didn't care what would happen. And that's just not the, the case whatsoever. No, I, I always say addiction is stronger than mother love. And that's, mm. that's a pretty strong force. You know, as a mother myself, I don't think there's anything that I wouldn't do, or, and especially when they were little, wouldn't have done for my children. But you're wrong. Well, it doesn't apply yeah. to everybody. No, but no, but you're wrong. If you put in put into their situation, you would have done the same exact thing, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't say, you know, that's like saying. Um, well, it just it surprised me because I know how strong the force of my love was. Right. That there was something that was stronger, and this disease is stronger than love, in my and opinion. I, but I get it because I lived it. Yeah. It's not because I had a, It's not not that I had a a child, a baby. You know, it's not that I was carrying a baby and all of that stuff. But I get it. Because I lived it, and I said never, and never like kind of went away. So when people say, you know, I could never, um, don't say never, you know, and don't think that, you know, be aware. Don't say, well, you know, just because I'm smoking weed now, or just because I'm going to take a couple of these because my my back doesn't feel right today. Don't play, you know, because what happens later is something that you can't control and your mind willfully goes with it and it's it's something that's pulling you and your mind willfully goes with it because that's just part of the process it stains it stains your thinking enough to say yes it's okay to leave my child on a corner and run into this house. Yes, it's okay to run into this store and go buy cigarettes while I have a, a four-month-old baby in the back seat. Yes, it's okay to do stuff or like yes, that. Or yes, it's okay to shoot up in the front seat while I've got the kid in the and, back. But no, it's absolutely not okay to do yeah, that, right? But, they, but everyone put in that situation would come up with the same answer. Yeah, I'm going to do it because I'm going to do it. Every Everyone. Everyone's capable of murder. Don't tell me they're not. Right. Given the right set of circumstances, everyone is capable of murder. Everyone is capable of turning their back on their loved ones, given the certain circumstances. Everyone, everyone does not always have to express that option. 
but everyone's capable. You take me out of the equation and put someone else in my shoes, they would have done the same exact. You you say it yourself, we all turned into the same person. Yeah, you did. You did. So why wouldn't you, if you chose to abuse a substance, turn into that person? You would. Except I wouldn't abuse a substance. You don't know that, though. You know what I mean? Yes, you say that, but, you, you know, sadly, well, you, wouldn't ab- you wouldn't abuse a substance. And I'm not, I'm not saying you specifically. What I'm saying is is that everyone's chemical makeup is susceptible to the... True. To becoming yeah hooked on a Tainted. substance. True. Yeah. Yeah, so especially opioids with you know people right. who are in pain and all of that. I think a lot, a lot, a lot of people got started by being injured, having surgery, right. what have you. Mm-hmm. You know, even and now dental they're walking surgery. Zombies. And, yeah, yeah, and, and uh-huh. having children that are born with opioids in their systems and it's it's really tragic. And so, it's it's difficult to even begin to fathom what you do about it. Well, you know, when you when you think of it, and in in that aspect, it needs to be it needs to go back to the responsible people. We we being um, true believers in medicine, right? Because we're from the United States, we consume sixty percent of the medicine. That um, we're, we're true believers in medicine, and why are we? Because the doctors tell us we are. Right. So, uh, granted, it falls back to them, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get out in any way or, or, or find a scapegoat, but I don't necessarily know if in the past they've been educated enough, and I don't know if no, they, they are were, today. No, they were completely misled by the drug companies. Completely. They were misled by cash. Well, but they were initially misled by the drug companies who said they had done a study and if taken after surgery, opioids did not become addicting. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you give them for two days in the hospital, maybe. But if you send somebody home with a prescription, that's uh, A 30-day prescription, yeah, that, that's kind of... And, yeah. and very and mix in some benzodiazepines and yeah. other things. Yeah, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. But they, they were told in no uncertain terms... That it was not a problem. I would, uh, you know, venture to think that um, if 40 years ago you were given a prescription for 30 uh, 30 days of Vicodin and I was given a prescription 30 days of Vicodin, I probably would have taken every single one of them because that was where my... My I, and this would this would say even be before I was an addict because that's what your doctor told you to do. Well, not necessarily even that. I was more open to do any of that stuff. You know, it was like, well, what do we steal out of that pharmacy? I don't know. Let's try it, <laughs> right? So there are people who are more susceptible to but how do you how do you how do you classify who is and who isn't yeah, how do you identify that well i yeah. would think that the doctors would sort of start to notice if somebody keeps coming back and keeps you know needing more and more of this stuff for something that probably isn't all that serious back in back when like i said when i, when I worked for toxicology companies we used to assist um in in drug monitoring um 
and we would go into, I would, you know, I had people, you know, physically doing urine drug screening within offices, assisting the, the, you know, the account. And I would go in to visit them just to see if everything was going on and they were, you know, they were complying with HIPAA and all of that, our employees. And some of the people that I would see walk through the door to see a doctor, they needed to be off their feet. That's how high they were. Yeah. And they're writing them another thirty day prescription of whatever it was that they were they were writing them. I think they're being watched a little more closely now, thank oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah. You know, we, I would hope they are. Well, yeah, I mean I, I think most of them are scared to prescribe opioids now. I certainly would yeah. be. You know, unless you're in the hospital and can be tightly controlled, I don't really know why you need them. No, I mean I, I guess yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, but then again, you know, there are there are still those doctors who truly believe that medicine or um, whatever that is, chemical, chemical, I don't even know what the word would be, but keeping their client base whole. Because that's their paycheck, and I, right. I don't want to always go back to it's a it's a dollar, but we would go into accounts and and speak to doctors about you know, doctors would be like, well, I know my client base, I don't need to do any urine drug screening. Well, one, legally you do have to, and two, you would be surprised. Pick ten random, pick the pick the ten that you know are clean dog. Pick them, and yeah. we'll test them. And you'll be amazed yeah. at the one that you find out that isn't, you know. And it was an eye-opener, but at that point, their motivation is, oh, well, now I'm going to have to send that person down the road. Well, no, you don't. You know, do you, just because uh, you're treating a diabetic and they go home and eat a Bundt cake, <laughs> do you do you fire them down the road? No, you don't. No. You give them counseling, and That's you get it. them you get them back on a better path. And I don't necessarily know if all of this time they were getting their opioid clients back on a better path. Oh, I think they, they were just yeah. And and I think part of the problem is they don't have enough time to really spend with their patients anymore because most of them have quotas that they have to maintain now. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's difficult, and everybody wants a pill for everything. Yeah. And sometimes maybe it's better just to, you know, suffer through it a little bit, especially if it's something transient like, you know, post-surgical pain, depending on how bad it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, know, can, you I can't have a have friend you. that had a, a back, uh, what do you call it, fusion. Mm-hmm. That's a nightmare. Yeah. That is a true oh, I'm, I'm nightmare. I'm sure it is. My my mother had her rotator cuff done, and they had, like, I don't even think, because because when she takes an, an opioid, she gets, like, really, like, goofy. Yeah. She doesn't like the way it feels. I mean, I don't mean, like, goofy, like, cleaning and stuff like that. I mean, like, she just gets, like, she doesn't like it. Yeah. And, uh, um... So she had to sit there through all of that pain, but she sat there. And granted, medication is there to allow your body to repair itself because if you're stiff and holding it, and your your body isn't going to repair, it gives you, it allows you to be able to relax enough to allow your system to repair itself. But some of these people that you see, they they had back surgery ten years ago yeah, and, they're and they're still, still going looking, in, yeah. and they, you yeah. know, they're they're. People that I went to school with, 58 years old, 
and they look like they're 78. You know, and they, hey, hey, Ray, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Oh, you don't remember me from English class? Yeah, I didn't go to school in the 60s. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But. Well, I I think if you're sending someone home with opioids, you need to be monitoring them very closely. Somehow. You know, and and you can't. There needs to be an end. Yeah, and you can't have people coming in once a week because then it's just chaos. I mean, I, I get the 30-day thing, but there needs to be some kind of, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, and, and I'm well, sure it, they're probably looking at it. It ends in 30 it. days, tapering, that type of thing. You know, yeah. instructions that the patient gets should have you taper off. I can't take them at all. They make me violently ill. So, you know... Hmm. I'm up a creek if I have to have a painful surgery, I guess. But they, yeah. they make me very sick. Yeah, well, I mean, well, gratefully then. Yeah. I don't want to say great, you know what I mean? Well, that, yeah. To, I to mean, have I, to I even, the... in my medical record, I haven't listed that I'm, I'm allergic to opioids because they make me very sick. Oh, cool. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you well, are I, in I another am, way. I, yeah, I just break out in handcuffs. Yeah, there you go. Phone lines are open. Dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Like many of us, do you feel constantly tired or run down? Weight gain, sugar addiction, stress, and other health issues wear down our bodies and our spirit. You can take control of these and get yourself back on track. Tune into Living Life Naturally with host Lynn Wadsworth. Lynn can help you lower or get rid of migraines, help you maintain a healthy weight, deal with hormone imbalances, and more. Listen live every Friday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. We've been talking about a bunch of stuff, I guess, but one of the the original uh, our original thought was an article about opioid crisis taking toll on Florida children. And during the break, I was skimming through the article, and it says here a study of a sample ch- of children conducted in 2017 this year, which they usually don't. They usually go, you know, go years back found that 125 of 158 newborns were removed from homes where other children had previously been removed. Wow. So So it's like they're having multiple children. Yeah, they're just repeating the the cycle. The state keeps taking them away. So why aren't we monitoring... I, it goes back to she probably didn't even know the first two trimesters that she was. And, and, but, and what do you do? That's I think that the ultimate question is what do you do because this disease is so powerful. Yeah. And you know you you think well maybe if the government would provide more therapy and services for this you know for people in this situation but would that really help no you know and the funny thing is is there's always there's two sides in 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 my head i'm in my head there's two sides it's the people that are looking down mm-hmm. at the addict who's doing this and then there's the people that are confused saying how can we help right well there needs to be a third piece of that triangle saying here we go. Let's 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 try this. And if and if this doesn't work, there has to be stuff out there that that's in place. But how does a mother, 125 out of 158, that's 80 something percent, yeah, or more. 80% of the, the babies born, of the 158 babies born that were taken out of homes, are repeat offenders. That's sad. That's very sad. That's sad. That's and that sad right day. there is the the base of what addiction does to you. You know, you see on, you know, like we see on Facebook, the mother passed out and the baby in the backseat and this, that, the other thing. That's the reality of, of where this brings you. And there are so many people who are in that situation yeah. now. And I think so many more than there used to be. Oh, yeah. And... You know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm in a, in a lot of online support groups for parents, particularly mothers of addicts. And there, you know, there are some groups that are starting to form kind of loosely, but, you know, you can message somebody on Facebook, you know, does anybody live in Palm City, Florida? We've got, you know, so-and-so's kid is, is on the street and having difficulty with somebody go pick him up and yeah. take him here mm-hmm. and there. So yeah. there are groups that are forming doing things like that. But, you know, the, the dilemma of the, the parent is how yeah. much help do I provide? You know, do, I, do, do I give them money? No. No. Do I buy them clothes? Maybe. I was driving in Arizona, New Mexico. I was in New Mexico, and I pulled in to, to, to fill the camper back up with, with gas. And um, 
It was freezing. I got out Ooh. and my legs burned. That's how cold it was. Wow. Right? I mean, I know You're I'm from kinda, Boston, <laughs> but I know, but I've been down here too long and my blood's a little too thin, but uh, my legs were burning. That's how cold it was. And a uh, guy walks up to me and he, he reeked of alcohol. Yeah. Right. This was seven thirty in the morning. Reeked wow. of alcohol, and I says, "I want. I'm wondering if you can help me, sir." And I was immediately, immediately, I looked down at him and said, "He's going to ask me for money so he can get some booze." Right. Right. First thought. Right. And here right. I am. Here I am, a recovering addict. But I can. I. I totally understand because I. I I'm at fault doing that as well. Um, and I said, "How can I help you?" And he said, you know, he said, I'm I'm traveling from uh, New Mexico to Arizona or, or the other way. And um, I was wondering if you could help me out. And I said, well, how can I help you? And before he was able to ask me just physically for money or just for money, I said, well, how about if I buy you breakfast and some coffee? And he said, oh, I'd really appreciate that. That's what I was going right. to ask you for. Right. I said, okay, well, let's go. He goes, well, my brother's with me as well. And I was like, yeah, I don't care if you have 10 people. Right. Bring him in, sit him at the table. And so I went up to the counter. I sat, I told them to go sit down and, and eat what they wanted to, you know, pick, choose what they wanted. And I said to the waitress, um, you know, I, I gave her, I gave her some, I said, what's the, you know, the, the average breakfast, this, that, the other thing. So she gave me a figure. I put it down and I gave her a little bit more. And I said, um, Make sure that they eat well. Make sure that they warm up. That'll give them all the coffee that they need or whatever. And um, give the waitress, uh, you know, the rest of the money. The, I don't know what their background was, but I do know that I have been in that same state of right. despair. My initial reaction was, this bum is going to ask me for money. Right. My first thought while I was on that side of the fence was asking for money right. to get, you know, so. Because they wouldn't kinda, eat probably. They would use it to buy booze or drugs or whatever they're doing. I know I would have. Yeah. You know. But maybe, you know, the kindness and you humanity that you treated them with, right. you know, could plant a seed. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to, We it's okay to have that. Look at this scumbag thought. It's okay. We're human. We do that. Right. right? And, and let's face it, the behavior that addicts exhibit is horrendous. Yeah. And, but, that's, but that's also a defense mechanism. So we go, whoa, and we need to pull back right. and, and reevaluate what's going on. Um, but a lot of people don't pull back from that thought. A lot right. of people would have just looked at that guy and said, go away, or I don't have any change, yeah, or, or something, today, some, something snide to them yeah. instead of, hey, I've been there, you know, yeah. and I'm, I, I don't know if he wanted the money for alcohol or if he really wanted a breakfast, but, but he, he ate got the a breakfast. breakfast. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it worked. So. I think with all of this stuff that we talk about, I think if we all individually step back and process what it is that we're feeling, seeing, and doing for people who are sick and suffering, I think we may be able to, even without the, all the medical knowledge and all of the statistics and all that, I think we may be able to start changing the way one that we look at 
um, abuse, or what were you calling it? Substance... Substance use disorder. Substance use disorder, because that way it encompasses everything, right? Um, and maybe we, on our own personal level, we don't have to invite them into our homes. We don't need to invite them to our football and baseball games, but... Maybe just a little kindness. That's what I was going to say. Show them some kindness because I think, you know, and I don't know, but I've heard there's a lot of shame that goes along with, you know, being in this disease. Well, and and as as inebriated as he smelt, I could see the humility in his face, you know, and mine was always an act. Yeah. Um, But. I think somewhere along the way there was some sincerity to my asking for help because it got me to a point where I wasn't afraid to say enough is enough. If if people kept shutting doors on me, then enough wouldn't have been enough and I wouldn't be here sharing it right now. I would have ended up dead. So I think that hearing and seeing and I don't know I mean I'm sure that gentleman I'm sure I, I don't know but the gentleman is probably on the on the roadside somewhere in the same state that he was in that I saw him in last right. week uh, but you never know you never know I mean maybe that was enough to process him to the next level of hey maybe I gotta do something about this yeah maybe maybe you I'm know? not so bad maybe yeah. maybe I am worth saving yeah because you kind of have to save and all it yourself. took was a breakfast all it took yeah. was thirty dollars out of my pocket yeah, just like you, you know? said showing some yeah. kindness showing yeah. some humanity yep and, and it, we've thrown money away on dumbest stuff yeah you know for sure so i know just just jelly beans it's for me. just but it, it is very hard to know you know like you said don't you wouldn't have given this guy money but you would buy him food right and mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people, you know, who do care about a, an addict or addicts don't really know what, how should you, you know, what what's right, what's wrong, what do you do, what do you not do. That's no. what's difficult. I know. And, and you know, there, and there's... And especially as a parent, you know, because you're used to doing everything for this child. And so, mm-hmm. your you know, first inclination is rush in, save them, protect them. You know, how far yeah. do you take that? How much is too much? You know, what's not enough? Is tough love the right thing? There's all these dilemmas that go on. Hmm. I, but I do, I do believe that it, it's about uh, random acts of kindness. We were with, I was with uh, the kids a couple of years ago, and, and there was a, a gentleman sitting over there by himself, an elderly gentleman. And I asked the waitress, I said, can you give me his check? And, and I'll, uh, I'll pay for it. And um, one of the little ones said, what are we doing that for? <laughs> right? I said, well, because it's just about a red mat to kindness. I mean, you know, you you pay for somebody's coffee as you go through the window. Yeah. or and, sh- and she was like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. For like a year after every time we went into oh yeah let's go let's pay for that guys let's, I say, no. <laughs> let's just calm down kid you know but uh yeah, no. So it's it it it's kind of crazy to experience it, feel for the individual, but also have that negative thought of wah. Yeah. And you know, fortunately enough, the process that I went through to get to where I am today allows me 
the ability to be able to feel that feeling and not just go on that. Right. Go you beyond know? it. Just wait. Just wait. Because something else may pop up. Something else may tell you something different. But if you go on your first immediate thought, you know, the guy's a bum, he's no good, and he's and, he, and get out of my face. Yeah, and, and you know, that's somebody's son, somebody's brother. Right. You know? Right, or, or anybody, you know. It's, you know, you see, you know, they say don't give the panhandle his money and all of that. And I don't know that. We could talk about that for another show because we only have like a minute left. But I, I just I just think that random acts of kindness go a long way. I think so, too. Yeah. And... I don't know. You maybe know I mean? maybe if you have one thought tonight, think about that. Think about being kind to yeah, somebody and, and in need. You know, my, my deviant mind says, well, you know, don't don't buy a guy a newspaper because he doesn't have a job and tell him to look in the classifieds. No, that's, you know what I mean? That's not a <laughs> random act of kindness. But that's not how you look for a job anymore. Either. No. No, I guess you that's true. Yeah. I did, yeah, I guess that's true. But we only have about a minute left. So if there's anything you want to say before we uh, sign off, by all means, go ahead. Well, I'm just uh, speaking to all the moms and dads out there. When you are in that dilemma about how far do you go with your child, I would I would say trust your gut. Just trust your gut. And kindness is probably going to go a lot further. No, that's true. That's true. But also be aware as you're trusting your gut that you're dealing with an addict and we are pretty deviant. We are emotional terrorists. So with that, we'll have to sign off for the evening. We will be back next week, next Monday at 8 PM Eastern. Um, And please feel free to call us 866-472-5792. And with miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. That it is. Have a good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.